when I read the wonderful news this morning that Joy Harjo was named America's next poet laureate, I thought about the cosmic alignment of stars between Harjo's poetry and this week's Torah portion, Baha'alot Ha. So if you're just hearing the name Joy Harjo for the first time, fabulous. You're in for a treat. If you're familiar with her work, I imagine you're as thrilled as I that her poetry will now become more widely known. This is a good time for our country and the world for her words to seep more deeply into our souls and into our psyches. Torah, Torah and Harjo are well paired, both drawing on metaphors from the natural world as a manifestation of the divine, hand in hand with human agency to care for one another and the earth entrusted to our care. So first, our parasha. This week, we find the Israelite community and those who have chosen to join them on the first anniversary marking their exodus from Egypt. And in this first year, God has given the Torah to all who are present at Mount Sinai in each generation to follow. And in the first year, the entire community participated in building the portable tabernacle or Mishkan, the place where God would dwell, at the heart of which is the ark that carries the stone tablets of Torah. Those tablets, a manifestation of the divine, will now serve as the Jewish people's living, eternal guidebook and moral compass, helping them navigate their way through the wilderness to the promised land and wherever the road will lead our people. So the Israelites now have all they need to continue their journey, though understandably with great trepidation of the unknown. The familiarity of slavery in Egypt is more comforting than the uncertainty of freedom that lies ahead. As with all human beings, the Israelites need signs and guides to accompany them on their journey. The divine signs from our parasha come in the form of a cloud. When the cloud settles upon the tabernacle, the Israelites know it's time to stop and set up camp. And when the cloud lifts, they know it's time to literally pull up stakes and resume their journey. So I can relate to this encampment, pull up stakes, encampment, pull up stakes on a few different levels. First of all, if you've done any wilderness backpacking or canoe portaging, there is nothing metaphorical about this at all. Clouds can settle so thickly on your campsite that you cannot see a foot in front of you. 
You aren't going anywhere until that weather front lifts and moves on. And though no one gets overly excited about inclement conditions, breaking camp and literally pulling up stakes is no walk in the park. As dismal as a water-drenched campsite might be, it does take less energy and motivation than moving on. Of course, at some point, you have to move on. It's too easy to read our biblical story and look at the Israelites as standing on the sidelines, waiting for God to lead them. Indeed, the text does say, at a command of the Lord, the Israelites broke camp, and at a command of the Lord, they made camp and remained in camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. Listening to and following directions of the gods is hardly a countercultural message in the ancient Mesopotamian world. What's radical about Judaism and its relevancy throughout the generations is the partnership imagined between God and human beings. Yet even more chutzpahdik is Judaism's assertion of independent human agency. So after all the tribes are lined up, camp has been broken, and everyone has their assignments, Moses beseeches his non-Jewish father-in-law, the Midianite priest, to join him, his family, and the Israelite community into the Promised Land. When his father-in-law says, no thanks, I'm going to return to my native land, Moses does not accept no for an answer, saying, please don't leave us. You know the lay of the land where we should camp in the wilderness. Please be our guide. So think about this for a moment. If the Israelites have the all-powerful, omnipotent God on their side, why would Moses have to persuade his non-Israelite father-in-law to be their guide? The ancient rabbis answer this question by asserting, it's precisely because we do not want to depend on miracles that the actions of human beings is what counts at the end of the day. In just a few verses later, perhaps emboldened by his father-in-law's leadership, Moses himself does something quite extraordinary. He directs Moses, directs God's movement, saying, when it's time to move on, kuma Adonai, Advance, O Lord. And when it's time to settle the camp, Moses says, Shuva Adonai, return, O Lord. And the rabbis make it clear. Without Moses' direction, without his leadership, the cloud wouldn't lift and the cloud wouldn't settle. The divine signs are there for us to interpret and ultimately for us to act upon. 
One way or another, Judaism is not a passive religion. So at Camp Kennebec, the Jewish camp I attended in North Belgrade, Maine from ages 9 to 15 years old, all of the counselors were, like Moses' father-in-law, non-Jewish. Though we couldn't have found our way through the wilderness canoeing in Maine and New Brunswick without our leader, Uncle Adi Klock, the whole purpose of the trip we came to learn years later was to be able to experience and receive the divine gifts manifest abundantly in nature and to give us the confidence in our own decision-making and responsibilities. So now, from our new poet laureate, Joy Harjo, with her words, Eagle Poem. To pray you open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more than you can't see, can't hear, can't know except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound, but other circles of motion. Like Eagle, that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky, in wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. We see you, we see ourselves and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathe in, knowing we are made of all this, and breathe, knowing we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion, like eagle rounding out the morning inside us. We pray that it will be done in beauty, in beauty. Harjo, like our biblical authors, sees a unity in the divine that manifests all around us and in us, inseparable. A unity in partnership that comes with human intention agency and responsibility. We pray that we can open our whole self, the sustainability of humanity and the earth entrusted to our care depends on our ability to open our whole selves to signs that circle all around us, so often offered from the natural world as Harjo experiences the divine in sky, earth, sun, moon, and eagle, so do the biblical authors imagine the divine as a cloud rising and settling. Only when we see ourselves in these signs are we able to follow the moral compass of Torah, divine signs all around us in sacred words of Torah, 
in the beauty of our Sonoran desert backyard, in the eyes of our loved ones and the strangers in our midst. Can we open ourselves to receive them? As this Shabbat is ushered in by the summer solstice, blessing us with an abundance of sunshine, let that light help us to see and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Shabbat Shalom.